What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Matthew Freeman Show. I know it's been a minute. Uh, we're sitting here in this shelter in place, kind of stuck in home, and a lot of people are doing podcast after podcast. And I just, you know, I do this thing based on inspiration and when I feel good and feel like I have something to share. And so I haven't really necessarily had anything that I wanted to share in particular. Uh, but that is starting to change, and today's episode is going to be a little fun conversation with a good friend that I've had on the show a few times, Ritz Gugiana from Nutrafit, and so I'm excited to talk about a few things with him today on the show and share that with you. Before we do that, though, I just wanted to take a moment. Um, Today would have been my dad's 73rd birthday, And for those of you that listen to the podcast, have probably listened to the second episode, know that I didn't necessarily have the best relationship with my dad. Um, And it's really easy when you're remembering someone that was important in your life and a date comes up that, you know, is a date that reminds you of that person to go sad or to get sad or or to to feel down, you know, and I, I did get lost in some pictures earlier today, kind of checking some stuff out and you know, you got family that cares about you sending your pictures and saying, I hope you're okay. I hope you're okay. And it's like, the reality is I am okay. But the main reason I wanted to do a show today was because I want to continue to do the things that inspire me and continue to share with you guys in such a way and continue to keep things positive in a, in a time where it's really easy to go one way or the other, you know, uh, the rain is, the rain is around, it's dark outside, we can't leave our home, you know, it's really easy to get down. And so I wanted to do that in his honor today, do something positive, have this conversation with Ritz and kind of talk about things that are going on. So Ritz, welcome back to the show. Thanks brother. It's always fun to come in here and shoot the shit and we usually, oh, yeah. usually talk for an hour before <laughs> we actually report, record the podcast. So um, Today was no different. No, no. Normal <laughs> stuff, right? So uh, one thing I wanted to talk about for the audience and like my first question is, you know, what have you been doing to keep clients on track now that, you know, shelter in place is here and we're limited in, you know, the, the tools that we can use to coach people? Uh, what have you done to keep your clients moving forward and keep them on track? Um, mainly just online stuff Uh, i haven't gotten into the zoom thing myself um or any video coaching anything like that i've just been doing programming um and that's about it i have you know some people i work with um in group setting so basically they came in once or twice a week we had to shift things and just make do with you know some of them don't even have any gym equipment so we're just basically doing body weight workouts and and whatnot some of them weren't interested in doing that i don't know we're not certain how long this is going to take so i think if it keeps extending people eventually need some home workouts but that's basically been the extent of it so um kind of just keeping it simple now when you think about tackling a home workout you see a lot of things out there um some people just pick five movements or something and go ham Uh, some people create you know potential progression what do you think makes up a good home workout first in the short term where oh crap this thing is thrust upon us and we don't think we're going to be here forever so let's just stay moving until we can go back to our spot and then second if it extends like past may or into june you know and we have to do this thing for 60 plus days like 
how would you change up the, the home workout approach with or without equipment? But like, you know, how, how do you take a look at that? Um, well, first I would say it's a great opportunity to take a deload if you're an actual lifter, because then when you get back to the gym, you don't have to waste your time doing it there. So, uh, you know, take a break, um, go light, do some, do some like 50% effort stuff for a week. Um, we're obviously way past that now. So if you've done that already, um, checked that box, then I would say, you know, you need to find a way to push yourself. Maybe it's a good time to, um, focus on doing more endurance work. You have terrible muscle endurance. There's an opportunity to do that. Maybe you've never had a fast mile time. Maybe you can track out a mile around, you know, around your neighborhood and work on your mile time. But I think the main thing is your mindset and to just find a way to get good at something that you need to improve. Um, maybe you have some bands and you can do leg curls. You've never done a hundred straight push-ups. You find a way to do something that you've never done before that makes you feel successful. So that's the main thing is feeling successful in some way. And that's going to mean something different to every individual, but, um, just, just find a way to pick something that excites you in some way and just work, work at that. And, um, you asked about progression. Uh, it could be with something like push-ups or bodyweight squats or lunges. Um, you know, there's, but I, I'd say if you're, if you're like, say a power lifter, and then you're trying to turn a home workout into a powerlifting program. I don't know if you're going to have much success with that. So I would just say, you know, scrap that and do more metabolic um, or metabolite training, I guess it would be. Just basically make breaking down the muscle fibers with lactic acid training and just super high reps and just killing it. Um, and you could do that. Say, say you do a bicep curl, you do hammer curls, you do a set of 30, and then you rotate your hands over to supination and you're doing 30 there and just keep doing as much as you can until you can't move your arms. So yeah, normally you wouldn't be doing sets of 60, but right now you are. So, so, so things like, um, sounds like you're saying like, okay, Hey, if this is going to extend, maybe we need to let go of our concept of what our normal training looks like and what, you know, we're normally working toward and find something that keeps us motivated, keeps momentum, but is also maybe a weakness so that when you come back to the gym, you strengthened a weakness and you'll be able to kind of fall right back into what you were doing before, but possibly even a better athlete because you focused on a weakness while you were gone. Yeah, definitely. So the best thing about weak point training in general is it's your weak point. So you don't need as much weight as you need on your strong th- your strong suits. So you can get away with doing less weight um, on that specific area. Um, and then, what else was I gonna say? I don't know. Lost it. But question, real quick, that comes off of that. Like, you know, you hear this all all across the board, and I'm just curious your take on it. Some some people, and I think Juggernaut Systems talks about this a little bit. Um, and I, I could be blanking on exactly who this was, but it, rather than working on your weaknesses, triple down on your strengths and get really good at your strengths and then worry about your weaknesses later. Um, and then there's another camp that says, hey, if you work up your weak points, your strengths are going to shoot, shoot through the roof and tripling down on your strengths isn't, there's going to be a ceiling if you don't train the weak components that are holding that back. Uh, where, where do you fall 
Um, not trying to put you on one camp versus the other, but what is kind of your philosophy as a coach on on do you triple down on strengths or do you freaking hammer weaknesses or, you know, does there have to be some kind of healthy blend of, of the two? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so you, you got to – you still have to dance with your date that you brought to the event, right? You still have to work your strengths. They need to be worked. But tripling down um, – if you look at strength athletes that do like linear training, basically like <clears throat> linear periodization is essentially adding weight or reps to the bar each week or through the cycle in some way. Um, <laughs> a lot of them seem to always be working on technique and it's ironic because they do that system so that they always have their technique basically perfect. but the reality is it never is perfect because they're never addressing their weak points. So you're just beating your head into the ground. If you, if you attack your weak points, <clears throat> you'll increase not only your strengths, but also your form. So your body moves a certain way, your body moves towards your strengths. So if you're bench, bench pressing and you, come, you bring the barbell down to your chest, and when you come up, you drift back towards the rack, towards your shoulders, your, your shoulders are the strong point because it's your body saying, if I need to get this barbell up, I need to use my stronger muscles, which is for that person, the shoulders. That's why the barbell's drifting forward or uh, back. If it's, if it's going forward, it's more pecs or tri uh, triceps or lats, which you want to move in a straight line. <clears throat> Same thing with a squat. You watch a beginner, they come in, they squat. If they really push their hips back and they're more, you know, going forward, they're more posterior built. If they're coming up on their toes and they're leaning, they're all quads, that their quads are stronger. So my point is your body's always gonna move to where you're strongest. So yeah, you can work technique, but as soon as you change your strengths and improve your weaknesses, your form will change. Because now everything's moving more fluid based off the strength ratios. Excellent. And then, I, I mean, I've always been a firm believer the more efficient you move, the, the stronger you are just in, in that capacity because it's a kind of an ease of movement. Yeah, you do need to have a basic understanding of technique and, um, and you know, the fastest, the most efficient route from point A to point B is always a straight line. So getting your body to move in that straight line based off your, biome your biomechanics and your um, leverages and all that stuff is, is important to understand your limb lengths and all that. But once that's dialed in, I don't think just training it and training it and training it is gonna get any better. It's only gonna get better by improving your weak points. In fact, it can only get worse. Once you know how to spell your name, you can't spell your name any better. You can only spell it the same. So you can only spell it worse, right? Yeah. So that's the same thing with squats. Once you learn to squat, you can only get worse. You can't get any better. Makes sense. <clears throat> cool, man. So, I mean, if this thing extends out, so it sounds like right now your clients, you got them at home, you got them doing the, the basic things that they need to do to kind of stay, you know, on key. If this goes all the way till June, like, what are you, what are you thinking about doing for your business to adapt, you know, towards that? Or, you know, what's the, what's the mentality behind a lengthy shelter in place? I'll probably have to go to construction job or something. Nah, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe I've had people ask me if I could 
come to their house and train them six feet apart. I'm just not interested in training outside of a gym environment, just being like feeling like I'm tiptoeing around and, and being almost thinking more about not touching things and saying space, you know, spaced apart rather than just training someone. Um, but if I have to, I guess I have to, uh, but then, you know, trying to follow the guidelines of just basically not leaving the house and whatnot, but, um, probably just, maybe I'll pick up some, some zoom and, uh, do some online training, get some people, maybe rent out some barbells to people, um, so that they can bring some weights home and start training at their house, something like that. It's definitely uh, interesting because, I mean, you know, myself, I've adapted in the way that I've had to adapt. I, I had some online clients. I'm doing some more nutritional accountability. I do some more psychological, you know, coaching, if you will, which is, is, is more up my alley, you know. But definitely for the clients that, you know, I, I coach and train on the physical side of things, this has definitely been, you know, interesting. It's, it's different coaching via FaceTime and I've had a few and you know you can still do it and you can still do a really really good job and you can still coach people weird but for those of us that like really like human interaction which I think our job is way more than just you know coaching um, you know the human interaction component is kind of missing it feels a little uh, bland at times when maybe you're sitting on the couch with a laptop while they're working hard like you know to, to be in the gym with them to have that keen eye um, it's a little harder to observe, you know, over FaceTime as well and or Zoom like you can see, but there's lag time, you know. Yeah. So I remember coaching someone last week and we were doing some tempo squats and, you know, she finishes the set and turns to the computer and goes, Matthew, you made me sit in the bottom for seven seconds. I thought you said four. And I was like, it was four from when I seen you get there. And she's like, I was there way longer. And what we realized we were experiencing was there was a lag time in the technology. So like when I saw her at the bottom and started counting, she'd already been there for three, four seconds. And so, you know, it does create some kind of like difficulty yeah. in the coaching because you can't, it's not real time observation. And I think, you know, as trainers, the, the reason we have one of the reasons we have a job is because we have a keen eye for movement and we can catch something on the spot and make that like minuscule correction that makes a huge difference. Um, you know, so I, I know I'm missing that, you know, and it's nice, it's not the same online, but we have to adapt, which kind of leads me to the next question. Um, post shelter in place. Do you think we're going to resume business as we knew it before or what kind of changes do you see in the industry as a whole? Like your business might be the same because you are more of a boutique personal trainer that likes that one-on-one, you know, observation and and work. Um, I think still work at a high level, but what do you think industry wide might be like a new trend moving forward? And do you see anything or? No, I, I was wondering, you know, I kind of thought about this myself the other day and I was kind of wondering if in general it's getting, I think it's making some people lazy. Um, I've learned on Instagram, everyone seems to be laughing at the fact that their diet is completely off track and they're gaining weight, which I've only seemed to be more focused on my diet because I have more time to sit at home and cook and take my time and do everything. It's just not even a stress now because I'm not in a rush to get somewhere. Um, but... I think, you know, maybe some of these people have gotten into working out just out of boredom 
and then they're going to be like itching to get into a real gym and maybe that'll kind of push people to sign up and get a gym membership and get going with that or um you know who knows i've um heard i don't know myself i did buy some another set of kilo plates but i heard everything is sold out online all the plates all the barbells everything all the steel production is down so basically everything from every company is basically gone if it was somewhat well-known company so that makes me wonder is gym memberships gonna stay down or go down after this because people have built home gyms or are we just gonna see all this crap on craigslist and maybe see equipment prices drop a little bit because everyone's now selling that stuff and you can buy it on craigslist for cheap so they're gonna want to get rid of the new stuff for a little you know um a little less but i don't i don't know it's kind of it's a great question because it could could go a couple different ways but i i kind of i kind of think that um eventually it'll get back on track i'm not sure right off the bat i think people will be hurting money-wise so they might not be looking to spend money on a personal trainer unfortunately but um maybe for some it's the first thing they want to do to get back on track right away and you know pick up those lost gains or something like that yeah so i mean maybe this hits home to you actually because um I believe Tara is a hairstylist and I was I have a, a couple hairstylist clients and you know we were talking about like okay post this happening like she's eager to get back to work and help people and she's like I think I'm probably going to be pretty busy and I was like I think you're probably going to be pretty busy too because you know people really want to go pamper themselves like yeah. I want to get my beard knocked down I want to get my hair cut I want to get my ears waxed you know like whatever the case may be that that women do you know eyebrows eyelashes nails like like I've been cooped up in home so I want to pamper myself yeah you know and so I see her being really really busy now us on the other hand like um you know the fact that we haven't been able to be as social in the way that we want to be, I think people actually will want to go back to a gym to be social mm-hmm. and be cautious of rushing back to crowded places. So it's, it, it, I wonder if it's going to kind of come in like little waves. The people that just are so cooped up that they don't care. The people that are a little leery about like – rushing to you know crowded spaces so they're gonna wait to kind of see how things unfold a little bit yeah and then you know like everything in life i think it'll kind of like fall back into a rhythm that we've seen before um but yeah man i'm not really sure i i do think and i posted this on twitter recently i i do think that I think you're in a really good position because I think overall the gym industry is going to reduce its its footprint. You know, I think the restaurant industry is going to reduce its footprint, meaning like the bigger space uh, places like Applebee's Chili's or like the bigger box gyms like 24. They're going to they're going to be smaller as a whole because they're going to say we don't need to pay this huge lease space for this big place. that's only, you know, a a fraction of a percentage full mm-hmm. at all times so we can reduce our overhead and costs of you know lighting and, and electricity and gym space we can do more virtual stuff online to to have virtual classes to feel like we're still serving our population and 
basically have a footprint for the three to eight percent that normally show up at a more higher level. And I, I think that might be a cost reduction kind of thing. Like I think chilies and Applebee's and those are, are gonna go by the wayside. I think you're gonna see more like Chipotle's that are smaller footprint, pre-made good food fast versus like sit down. You think because of like germ spreads, like people just kind of like fear? No, I just think, I think restaurants in general were heading that way in the first place, you know? Like, you know, I think about restaurants, uh, I don't want to get off topic because I know we're, we're gyms, but like it's, this is fun to talk about to me. Like when I used to go to like Chili's, part of the fun of going to a restaurant was going out with your family, sitting down, being served, not having to do dishes, you know, shooting the shit, having conversation, and all of that now in the Those computer things yeah they have the computer things now yeah. so you don't have a server you're not feeling served someone like my mom it drives her crazy because she doesn't order anything off the menu norm everything's a modification modification oh. so she doesn't know how to enter her modifications into that little kiosk and then no server ever comes by so you're kind of empty of water and you're kind of like looking around to like go get your own water and then you're paying on that little kiosk so who are you really tipping in the end yeah. you know what i mean and so the the whole social experience of like going to a chili's doesn't make sense and if you if you like i think if you were a bird on uh, outside in a on a tree and you had been watching recently you would see like the the curbside pickup for chili's and like applebees and like Outback has been increasing like tenfold where people still want the food, but they just want to pick it up, go yeah. home and eat it. Right. And so pre-made fast, but still good food. So why do I need such a big building? I need a building that can have, you know, the kitchen, maybe a bathroom and seat, you know, just to not like always be packed rather than be like two thirds empty. I thought people went there more for like happy hours, but yeah. So maybe a bar space in a kitchen, you know what I mean? Like then now these big restaurants become more of a bar space. Cause I know like when I was in my previous industry and let's get past this after this, but like when we opened our brokerages, our biggest overhead was our lease, you know, we just kept taking more space, but then we realized like, okay, I got 50, you know, employees, but 10 of them are productive. And so we could put 10 of them in this little space. We don't need to have all this space for 40 unproductive people that we're paying huge overhead for that doesn't make sense to the bottom line. And so I, I'm, I'm thinking restaurants and gyms and stuff like that will start to go, how could we be more efficient? How could we cut overhead, but yet service a larger population? Mm-hmm. And so I think that the virtual classes virtual training combined with those that actually do come to the actual space and reducing the footprint is kind of maybe the the next kind of frontier of business as a whole like the buildings don't have to be so big telecommuting for the big corporations like do we really need to bring everyone here or can they telecommute you know now you know how do you tell someone's being productive or not you know like metrics right so yeah. like for trainers and we'd have to like make sure we're doing progressions and measurements and stuff like that but like i don't know i i, I don't know I, I see that potentially and you think that because of this it's exposing us to that I people th- are experiencing it forced upon them kind of yeah so 
Yeah, so <laughs> this is kind of fun. This podcast now, you maybe interviewing me, we'll go back and forth, but this is kind of fun. Um, what I think is when something tragic happens, we're forced to adapt, right? And we adapt in the best way possible. Before anything major happens, we don't necessarily look for change. Change usually is the result of like the necessity for change. And so right now, to keep people healthy, we, you and I have had to adapt. More online programming, more online communication, more phone conversation, more uh, you know, other trainers in the industry, more Zoom, more virtual. Now we see that as another tool. And it's, it's been moderately effective tool for many. So then it's going to be, okay, that tool really works. How does that make sense in the business model moving forward? Is there a market for it? Is it, you know, Beachbody's been doing it for years with the, you know, basically virtual training. Like, it's not like it's necessarily new, Peloton. but Peloton is blowing up, you know, in the last couple of years, you know. So, like, now, out of necessity, um, it's really, like, taking a new flight, right? And so I think we'll see some sort of shift out of necessity. But I also think that there's always people that are old school. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it won't be as big of a shift as people start to go, oh, the industry's dead. No, it'll kind of flow backwards again and meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. But I do think there'll be some kind of virtual training component you know at a higher at a higher level that that seems to make sense um, yeah you know last last thing i'll mention on that is I, like i have clients that travel from northwest santa rosa sometimes you know at like five o'clock so it's like a an hour long drive to get here in the traffic yeah then they train with me and then they drive home an hour it's like i've been training that person via facetime and she's five minutes from work then I train her FaceTime, and then she's one minute back into her house because she has a home gym. Oh. So it's like, all right, you could save an hour of your day yeah. in commuting if, you, if we just did this via FaceTime out of the home. Um, when I mentioned that to her, it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe every other time or something like that because like, I think she still likes coming and being social and being yeah. around everyone and training in the environment. But there will be times that it makes sense. So you may be like, hey, I'm running behind at work. Can we jump on FaceTime today and I'll train out of my garage versus come to you? You know, it's like, sure. And there's probably we things can do that. you can't see on video that you think you can see, but you need to be in person to really hit that angle or see, you know, get a whole 360 view. Totally. You know, and I think technology will get better. Yeah. And then, and then maybe we see more, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you look at real estate now, they have like, virtual tours online 360 degree you know where back in the day it was literally just static pictures you know so it's like little by little that's occurring but i'm like you i I don't know i how long do you think this is gonna go for like what's your prediction definitely june at least i don't think it's done in may i think july at the worst hopefully yeah, man, I know it's so hard. I, I, I think I'm like a 
you know, they to call people hopeless romantics. I'm probably like a hopeless optimistic. You know, I keep going like, man, I hope it's May, but I don't. I don't think like deep down inside the realistic side of me is like, it's probably June. Yeah, you know, um, it seems like, well, maybe not South Southern California, but it seems like we've been pretty proactive up here. Like we don't have as many cases, so I think it'll be. There's only like 400 cases in San Francisco, which is tighter space, and they have like almost a million in population. Yeah. We have like 500,000. We have like, what, 40 cases or something? I, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. All news is off. I try not to pay attention to any of that We're stuff. We're also more, way more spread out than San Francisco. I just yeah. think, I, you know, it's kind of selfish, but I think for us up here, we're, we're looking pretty good. And we were one of the first places, I think, to shut down schools and all that. I heard in Florida... Literally this week, they just shut down the rest of the beaches. Like, the hell? Yeah, they're so San fun. Diego did that, like, weeks ago. Yeah, so... I think California's done a good job being proactive, for sure. Um, you know, I think... I don't know. Again, tangent a little bit, but, like, I'm getting a little funk. Like, shelter in place. I gotta be home. Okay. I, I've, I've done 800 puzzles. I've, done, I've written a book. I've written an ebook. I've cleaned my cupboards. I've cleaned my cabinets. I've Marie Kondoed my whole damn house, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch a little TV. And I jump and I turn on TV and every commercial is about the freaking coronavirus, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like you already have sheltered me in place. I already can't go anywhere and now you're just going to remind me over and over <laughs> again why. how shitty this is. Yeah. Like, and so like part of me is like, fuck. Boycott everything because, like, I'm tired of hearing about it. Like, you don't want me to be in, like, you don't want the suicide rate to go up. Right. Fucking quit hammering us with how sad this is. But I, I understand at the same time, we do need to understand that something's going on and we do need to do what we need, what it takes to kind mm-hmm. of get through it, you yeah. know? So that's, but it was every commercial last night. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to bed. I don't watch TV, I just watch Netflix. Netflix and uh, YouTube, pretty much. Yeah? So, I don't really see them. All right, so let's go there for a minute. This was not the plan, but I'm going there. What show do you watch on Netflix? Uh, Finishing up Ozarks right now, the third season. I keep hearing good things. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Yeah, I like it. Um, We watched The Sinner, too, which was, like, that was a good show. I think... There's three seasons. It kind of went in order. Like, the first one was the best. The second one was pretty good. And then the third one was... It still kept your interest and is entertaining, but it just wasn't as good. But that's another good kind of, like, mystery uh, series that's interesting. Have you checked out All American? No. Is that the lifting one? or no, So, All, All American is, like, a, a high school football kid from Crenshaw that gets recruited to go to Beverly Hills High to increase his chances of making the NFL. And there's so many twists and turns. And this is how I explain it to people. And so far, everyone I've recommended to watch it has messaged story? me back. It's inspired by a true story. Uh-huh. And uh, everyone's messaged me back and been like, man, that one's such a good show. They've done two seasons. They're talking about accelerating the third one onto Netflix because of what's going on. Wow. But um, I, I think it's uh, the OC slash 90210 meets Menace to Society <laughs> Meets Remember the Titans. Wow. It's like, you know, it's got a good football story. Remember the Titans. It's got some gangster, like, 
real life Crenshaw toughness, you know, and then it's got the Beverly Hills problems, you know, and it's like kind of shows the difference between, yeah, our life seems like it's awesome because we're wealthy, but we got all kind of messed up Mm -hmm. and our life seems terrible because we're broken poverty, but we got some really cool stuff going on also, you know what I mean? It's like that, that dichotomy, you know, and uh, it was, it was really, really cool. What about Tiger King? Have you seen that? I watched two episodes and thought it was so stupid that I just turned it off. But it's, everyone keeps telling me, like, like reciting um, specific scenes and whatnot. And it, it seems like it gets funnier. And there's certain points that I definitely want to, like, watch. But it's also just, I think it's dumb. Like, it's, it's like, I don't know. And I'm like, this, is, this isn't that good. I don't know why everyone, it's overhyped. I don't think any... Well, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for anyone else. I I literally scroll through Instagram or, like, do something else while it's on because it doesn't... That's what I find myself It doesn't take there. me in yeah. so much. Yeah. But then there's, like... You, you leave it on because you're like, what is the next messed up thing that I'm going to see? Like, this is, like, pretty pretty wild. Like, like... They just had a threesome gay marriage like that. That was. I feel like it's one of those things that's more interesting to talk about after than actually how it's not that interesting when you're watching it. But after the fact, you're like, that's crazy. They did that. Yeah, totally. I I think it is literally talking points of like what goes on in the world today. Like that guy, uh, the Doc Antel guy, I think like he's a, 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 a legal slave driver that had that's a polygamist. That only gets with virgins, so they stay with them forever. And he's, like, like brainwashed them all. Yeah. Like, they, like, don't vacation. They work for minimum wage, and they, they seemingly love it. I just think, it's like, really like, weird. in California, we're in a bubble in general. So when I see that stuff, I'm just like, ah, I guess that's what Missouri's like or Oklahoma or wherever the hell they are. Totally. And it's like, I've never been there. So even, like, you go to Clear Lake and how different it is compared to here. So, yeah, that one threw me for a loop, man. I think you got to check out All American, dude. On I'll watch that one for sure. Netflix, that's good. Um, so, you had this post the other day um, that was kind of like asked most people if they were like a beginner, an intermediate, or like advanced lifter. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that was like a, a self assessment. Like, where do you think you land on the scale of like training? Um, as a whole yeah uh, what was that like what, what, where'd that come from what was that about and like what would you consider yourself on that scale um so it was <clears throat> uh novice beginner and then the next one was intermediate and then the next one was advanced intermediate advanced um i more so just was like if in the future i produce something online um like a training program, and I put this is an intermediate training program. How many people consider themselves an intermediate that I would consider an intermediate? So, um, and the funny thing is, a lot of people go off lifts. <clears throat> so, like for males, you know, like um, there's certain standards, but I've never really agreed with them because, you know, I've been training people a really long time, and while I've had a couple people, you know, outliers that are obviously like more built to lift weights and lift heavy, um, hit great lifts. It's, it's not 
common. And like, if you're not dedicating your life to that, you're not going to get there. So I don't, it's hard to, it's hard to explain, but basically what I'm saying is like most people would consider like, say, if you can't do a 300 pound bench press, say you're not an advanced lifter. Well, I would consider you an advanced lifter and we just talked about your max being 275 and that's not to put you on the spot, but I'm just saying why, like, why is someone, so if someone walks in the gym the first time and bench presses 300 pounds, they're an advanced lifter. No, they just walked in the gym. They don't, they just happen to be able to push that weight over their face. Right. So then you get into this whole thing of like, is it strength plus at least a year of training, two years? Like, how do you really measure where someone is on the scale of beginner, intermediate, advanced? Because how could someone that <clears throat> has been lifting weights over 10 years not advanced? But then you see people that have been going into 24 hour the last 10 years, you know, not doing anything, and they're for sure still beginners because they don't do anything. Yeah. You know? So it's like, yeah, it's kind of, I think it's sort of like a self-diagnosis because you have to like know what's your understanding of lifting weights. Do you know how to do most lifts? Have you ran programs before? Have you done, um, have you done maxes? Have you, have you done endurance training? Have you played sports? Like, I think it's just kind of a well-rounded thing. Um, I was, I think scrolling through people's answers and knowing them. I think 90% of them were spot on. There was only a few that were questionable. Um, I was telling you before we were recording my buddy, I have two friends. One deadlifts has hit a 600 pound deadlift and one has just recently hit a 740 pound deadlift, including a 700 pound deadlift for three reps. And he put intermediate. I said, dude, you're not intermediate. And he said, well, I thought, I thought that was the point that you're never advanced. And I love that, that answer because it's, you know, that's how definitely how you could look at it. Cause you know, the possibilities are endless for how far we can reach our fitness level. Um, so I guess, you know, the whole, the whole point was sort of like a mental exercise on one end. And then also like, I, I realized after viewing the answers that if I was going to produce a program, I'm going to have to make my own standards for the program and say, Hey, I don't really know what it is, but for the sake of this program, these are the standards. So if you fall in here, you're a beginner. If you fall in here, you're intermediate. If you fall over here, you're advanced. And I think that's the only way to do it because if I went and ran a marathon, I'd be a novice marathon runner for sure. I've never trained for a marathon, but I've ran through for sports my whole life. So I might be a advanced runner in some ways, but I'm a novice marathon runner. Yeah. I'm an advanced lifter, but I'm novice CrossFit, whatever. So it's like, what, what matters then? Yeah. You know what I mean? So where do you place yourself? Like what is fit? And then it's like, what is fitness? Is it a combo of endurance and strength? and conditioning is it is it just what you're working on is it you know your experience in total over the years is it years in general i don't know so it's kind of it's kind of like a question that i don't even know the answer to so i was just curious what people thought of themselves um in general i guess it sounds like i mean that's something that requires a lot right so it uh, a humble self-assessment yeah right first and foremost so are you capable of self-assessment? I think is question one because I, I think you know a lot of us 
I, I think that's one thing we're learning over a lifetime is how to truly assess ourselves in every kind of circumstance with like a good humble lens, you know, like, and I like your buddy, you know, it's like, aren't, aren't I always like never advanced? Like, okay, so he's yeah. humble and he always wants to get better and he's hungry for more. Yeah. Therefore, he's never really made it. And it's like kind of that always, always a white belt mentality for yeah. like the most elite martial artists. Like there's someone better, stronger, exactly. faster, and we're still learning. Yeah. So honest self-assessment comes into it. And then, yeah, I mean, standards within like each different modality kind of would make a difference. So it's like... You know, I've done a whole bunch of X, but none of X. So over here, I'm probably intermediate, but over here, I'm like a straight, true beginner. Like, yeah. you know, I've never had that experience. And it goes back to when I was first into lending. I did um, my third year as a lender. You know, I would, I would, I always did this test to the people I was training. I'd pull up this guy who's like 55, and I'd stand him next to me, and I was 25, and I'd say, hey, if you were to choose a loan officer, who would you choose just based on what you see? You know, and everyone would say, I'd choose the 55-year-old because he seems, you know, and I'm like not knowing our volume or who we are, you know? It's like, yeah. he seems like he's been in the business longer. He probably has more experience. But it's like, the, that guy had been in the business, you know, 30 years, but only done three loans a year. So over 30 years, he's only closed 36 loans. And at the time, I was closing 10 to 12 loans a month over the last three years. So 36 months at 10 loans. So I'd done 360 loans. I'd done 10 times the amount of volume of transactions as the guy next to me. So although he'd been 30 years in the industry and me three, 10 times the amount of time, I had done 10 times the amount of volume. So who was more experienced? Like who, like who would be the intermediate and who would be the advanced and who would be the beginner there? And it's like time doesn't, time alone doesn't equate to experience. Right. Volume alone doesn't equate to experience. Because if you could ask more questions like, okay, Matt, did you do one type alone 360 times? Therefore, you don't have like a very broad understanding of lending in general. You're just really good at that one program. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, okay true. Yeah. I don't have a lot of experience. And so like that's lifting too. It's like, you know, I've solely been deadlifting for the last five years. So maybe I'm an advanced deadlifter because I've done every form of deadlifting. But like I've never actually done a back squat, you know. So right. I'm a beginner back squatter. So it's, yeah, it's tough. Like honest self-assessment combined with like the parameters. So going back to your program, yeah, your own standard I think would – you would definitely have to set that. Like what am I training? What am I teaching? And then I think it also, like, why are you even asking a question is the main thing. So for, for uh, your lending thing, like, what, what is the – if you're trying to – if your boss is working on a new project or something and they're trying to pick the best guy, it depends on what they need based off right. the experience. So they, or, like, you know, a, co- a coach picking a player for the right fit, something like that. Um, uh, just because someone's really good at a sport doesn't mean they're going to be a good coach, something like that too. With my like for my deadlift, um, in my last meet, it qualified me for so for powerlifting. There's standards. There's international elite, that's the highest. There's elite, and then I I don't know if it's class five or four, but then it goes down. So it's class four, three, two, one. So based off your lift and your weight class. So for my deadlift, now I'm elite i'm not internationally but i'm elite my squat and my bench are like class 
three in between three and four <laughs> so they're way below the same lifter same guy just not as good at and in, in general powerlifting is a where you stand with all three so everyone's got their strengths and their weaknesses but it's the same thing so i think my buddy that was looking at his his deadlift was like well i'm not international elite therefore i'm not advanced and right. he's basing he's comparing himself to literally the best people in the world at this specific thing but i'm like yeah but your fitness is your general fitness is advanced so that's where we get to is um, going back to just what it means to you and whatever. But if you were going to go, if I was, if you were going to a CrossFit meet and someone was asking you from CrossFit, what's your level? Obviously you would know you're a beginner. If you've never done a strongman event and you're showing up at that. It don't matter how strong you are. If you've never done a strongman event, you're a novice strongman. Yeah. So yeah, I it's think, a tough like, question. I think, you know, I mean, in ending, you know, in this part, it's like you got your training age, right? It's like how long have you been training your body? And that's part of the question. Like, you know. Yeah, you might like, be able to adapt easier to a new stimulus or a new learned thing. Like if you've lifted weights for 10 years, it's probably gonna, you're probably going to catch on to Olympic lifting even though it's super hard faster than someone who's never lifted weights. Yeah, so I think that comes into play, right? Like, you know, I've trained my body for 10 years, but this sport is new to me. Yeah. Like, and then you ask, are you beginner, intermediate, advanced, you know, uh, lifter? You know, if it's not sport specific, you say, no, I, I have a long, long training age. I've been training my body for 20 something years, so I consider myself intermediate. But then you tack on, okay, are you beginner, intermediate, advanced? power lifter and you're like oh i don't power lift so i'm a beginner power lifter that has training background at an intermediate level mm -hmm. and so now you kind of know who you're working with and again right. that's why you, you know like you said you have to come up with this the standards and the list of questions because they're very specific to you know the audience that you might be catering to um you know, random question that just popped up to me through this conversation is I put this out the other day. Like, I consider myself a generalist. I actually don't like the idea of niche marketing, you know. Um, I know you're supposed to find a niche and you're supposed to go deep in your niche and, like, who do you work with most? But I think, like, you know, niche marketing is often developed because someone along the way of their journey found, like, a blockage right that's something that they weren't very strong at that was impeding their progress and they found a solution to that blockage and that opened up the doors in many many capacities thereafter mm -hmm. and so they they got obsessed about the thing you know their discovery of the thing that unlocked everything for them and so then they just start talking about the thing you know, and uh, I think you've seen this in our marketplace a lot, you know, whatever, like TRX is the savior. You should, you should definitely TRX everything every day. It's the, uh -oh. uh, you know, or you should definitely X every day because it's a, or, um, you know, cryotherapy is the key to, you know, the best recovery, you know, because it worked for me type of thing. Right. And I think so then these people jump into these niches. But I like that I'm a generalist because I feel like I'm, na I'm helping people navigate to find their blockage and then specifically we figure out what their blockages and then we work deeper on their blockage and if I'm not trained to the level 
to help them through that, then I can refer them out. Like if they need ther- like a real therapist, yeah. like, okay, then I would refer them out to like real therapy right. or, you know, if they have like a severe hip problem and, you know, maybe I'm not the guy, they need to go see a chiropractor or PT. Then I, then I refer out to that extra help down the road. And mm-hmm. so I kind of like being a generalist personally, I'm not like a huge fan of the niche marketing side of things, but um, if you were to say that you had a specialty in something, if you were like, like what, what crowd do you like working with most and what is your goal with that crowd? And if I was sharing what you do with everyone or saying, hey, this is why you go see Ritz, like where do you put your, yourself? Um, someone who's you know, real serious about their goals um, you know, I, I work with people who aren't and they admit that to me as long as they're being real with themselves. But I guess basically just a real honest, someone who's honest with themselves and want to, wants to get from point A to point B and is, uh, motivated to do so, then I can help them because if you can't help yourself, I can't help you. You know, so you gotta like help me help you. And a lot of people can't do that. They just want they're. I think a lot of people are inspired to get results but they're not committed to the process to get results so like yeah i'm interested in having a lambo but i'm not really committed to the process of getting a lambo right so it's like you know what i think that's the problem with the fitness industry in general is a lot of people just aren't really committed to that process they're interested in having a six-pack they're interested in having a big bench press but when they need to go home and eat all day long and do these extra workouts and do all these things. They're not really interested in doing that. They're just, or committed to it. I'm sorry. Um, but I would say as far as, um, like you kind of got my mind going with the, um, when I think of niche marketing, I actually think of, um, people, not a thing. So like, like Gary V talks about like going after like certain people, like, Hey, 60 year olds, it can't get strong. I'm looking for six-year-olds that can't get strong. Come in, see me. It seems way too specific, but then they're like, oh, me? Like, you're talking to me? Oh, okay. Like, they actually think that you're talking to them. When you say, hey, who wants to get strong? Come see me. Like, all the six-year-olds are probably going to be like, he doesn't mean me. Right. You know what I mean? But if you, if you call those people out, all of a sudden, there's a lot of six-year-olds around here. You're more likely to get some clients from that specific zone. Um, than if you just kind of generalize. And then I think you do that with multiple groups. Oh, I, then, t- I totally agree, because I, I probably- That like, wasn't what you were talking about, but I just made me think of that. No, but yeah, I mean, you're right. And when I say I'm a generalist, like I do actually advertise that I work with middle-aged females that put themselves last. Like I help oh, them put themselves first. So like I, I probably, that's the market that I work best in. You know, mm-hmm. that would be my, my ideal client, but I'm not like a, I'm not like the deadlift specialist, you know, or I'm not the this specialist. Like when you come to me, like I, since I work with moms that put themselves last or middle-aged females that put themselves last, like I work on like, okay, what, why, you know, why are you not valuing yourself enough to give yourself a half hour to yourself, you know, and like, let's start there and then let's see where that, that trickles down. But you know, going back to, I think something we talked about offline, and I guess I just want to get this out to the crowd uh, a little bit is, um, I think you're kind of mentioning like I'm not gonna, 
I don't want to give you a fish. I want to teach you literally how to fish. Yeah. And like, and yeah. maybe you see clients that come to you in your mind, you're going, no, come to me and maybe I work with you for a year and then you're able to do it for the rest of your life. Like, you know how to think through it and you can train your body. And like, I taught you how to like understand your strengths and weaknesses. You don't need me anymore. And like, right. you, you like to teach them and then see them go out and blossom yeah. on their own. And so it's maybe more of a short-term thought process where a lot of people come in to, to trainers and work with them for long, long periods of time. And like neither one of them is necessarily right or wrong, but I think the person you're describing is a person that says, hey, I'm kind of stuck here. Help me learn this. And then, cool, I can go do it. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, like I had a client, you know, recently say, uh, "Yeah, oh yeah, I'm gonna be committed to you forever. I'll, I'll be coming to you forever." And I'm like, "Well, really? Like, that's cool. Like, business wise, that's cool. But like, I feel like if you're coming, just how I run my business, if you're coming to me forever, I'm not doing my job because I'm not helping you reach those goals and then giving you the tools to go do it yourself. Because when I tell." someone you know okay we did we did deadlifts now we're gonna go do um you know we're gonna do good mornings now and then i'm explaining to them the reason we're doing the good mornings and how you would differentiate between doing that and rdl or a good morning or a um, glue ham raise or whatever and i'm giving them all this and i can just see a blank stare they're not taking it in they're not understanding because they don't give a shit because they're they're just like yeah whatever dude you're just telling me what to do i don't know why like you can kind of see like it's like Okay, good to kind of know in case someone maybe asked me at a wedding or something, but they're not really going to ever utilize that info. So then I'm just wasting kind of my teachings. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm teaching for any reason. I'm trying to just basically filling space with time and basically explaining them, them science for no reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think, it, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, we got we to gotta wrap it up here because we're getting close to the last couple minutes, but I think it's kind of interesting because like, I think there's a market for, for both and you just have to see both. Cause when yeah. I go to my hairstylist, like I literally, I'm so tired of making decisions. I don't want to learn a damn thing. I want to go in and go, you know, make me look good. I don't care what, I don't care like what you do. So, so I, she's like, I want to do a faux hawk. I think that'll look great. Cool. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to cut it this way around the ears. Like, I don't care. Just <laughs> like cool. make me look good and let me leave. Yeah. Like, I don't want any knowledge of how you're going to do it. Just let it look good. I trust you, you know? And I th- so I think some people come to us and they're like, I don't care like what a good morning means. Mm-hmm. I just trust you. Help me see through it so I look good this weekend when I go out, you know? And that's, that's one type of client. And right. then there's the inquisitive, curious client that's like, no, I really want to understand why I'm doing this for every reason so that if you weren't around Ritz, I want to understand how to do it. And that's another client. And, you know, it sounds like you want that client you yeah, know, to work but with. But like I said, the, the main thing is honesty. And the one thing I can't handle is people that aren't honest with themselves. So, like, <clears throat> I had, um, like, a guy, I train an older guy, and he, he says, you know, I, I love high reps. I don't really like lifting heavy. I'm cool to do it once in a while. But um, I just want to, like stay in shape i understand lifting is good for my health it's good for um you know all all the all the health benefits but he's like i just just come in i'm gonna pay you to tell me what to do so he does group workouts and it's like okay cool like i know exactly where we stand now 
Like yeah. I don't, I don't need to be explaining him everything. I just tell him what to do because I know he doesn't care about the rest of it. But when you come in and you got huge goals, I want to look like a bodybuilder. I want to get this strong. I want to do this. And I go, well, let's see. You got to learn what the fuck to do. You got to be eating like this. You got to be on your shit every single day. And then I'm trying to hold that person accountable. And they're basically treating themselves like the other person I talked about. Those goals just don't match up with the actions. So that's when I talk about goals at the beginning of the year with my, all my clients. I make sure we're on the same page. So as long as you can admit like, hey, I just want to be in here for health purposes. I don't really care about pushing it too much. You know, push me a little bit, but like, I don't, I just don't really care that much. I just want to work out and lift weights to be healthy. Cool. That's totally fine. I get it. And we'll just hit some workouts and we can bullshit in between. We can, you know, create a friendship and I'll just have you do stuff. We'll have lots of variation. We'll learn some stuff and we'll have fun with it. And that's what I mean is just the honesty. Like your actions are in line with your That's all I want. Yeah, and I, I do have I have fun training. I have some people that it's barely a workout to me, but it's more than what they would be doing without me. So I'm cool with that. And I have people that I get to train more like an athlete, and I really enjoy doing that because I I get to actually use my knowledge and my experience and my wisdom, and it gets me kind of like um, problem solving. And so I get to use those skills, and I do enjoy doing both. But I think it just comes down to the person being honest with themselves. So. Yeah. Man, that's awesome, dude. As always, I think we could chop, chop it up for hours. Um, and that's part of, like, I love coming and chatting with Ritz. I think this is the third time we've done this because, you know, we get on, we talk for an hour before we start hitting record, and then we just kind of get on and we go on a little bit of tangents uh, here and there because we just, we've always done this. Uh, we think a little bit differently, and we used to go to lunches all the time, and, we're like, we would just chop it up back and forth and in the end we both leave like with a greater understanding i think about what we're doing and the direction we're going which is why it's been a good lifelong friendship um we only got a couple minutes left but uh at nutrifit on on uh, instagram right is where you like people to follow yeah whatever so nutrifit katati is kind of all my clients um and then i i still put on my Personal page, uh, Ritz Kujiana, I post still like trainer information. It's a little more kind of raw, non-edited, unfiltered, but um, that's more like my training views, my lifts, stuff like that. So if you want to get to know me, go there. If you want to get to know how I train clients and some of the types of clients I train, which is pretty much everyone, um, and some of the results I've gotten for people, go to the NutriFit Katati uh, Instagram. Awesome, dude. One last quick question before we go. In 30 seconds, what's it... How has fatherhood changed you? Um, I, I mean, it's, I never thought I would look at someone like I look at her. It's pretty much the most amazing thing that you can. I, I never thought that I would enjoy being a father of a girl either. And now I'm not only loving that so much, but I'm almost thankful I don't have a boy. Which, when I found out it was a girl, I was like, ah, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And now I'm so thankful. So it's pretty amazing. That's awesome, man. Short word to the wise, though. I had one turn 18 (laughs) yesterday, and I got one that's 13. And you might want that boy back. (laughs) You know, no. It's it's like, man, having a daughter, I I agree with you. It's like there's something about having a daughter that's just absolutely, like, incredible, you know. Um, But when they do hit that, like, teenage years and they're in high school, you know, you just remember high school so much so that it's just like, man – 
I got to let you experience things on your own. And it's so hard to sit over here. And I want to warn you about people like me from high school, you know, but like, what are we going to do? That definitely is like, but that's just, that's just karma. Yeah. And it's just parenting, you know, that's, I think that's the hard part about parenting. Rich, man. Thanks again, dude. As always, I think, um, Rich and I are going to do some experimenting together and, uh, he's going to help program for me for a little while. And so we're going to come back on and talk about like what we learned, um, what I learned in my programming and, and, and you're going to hear a little bit about why he programmed it. So I look forward to like that episode moving forward and, and giving you guys some like before and after metrics. Um, you know, I think this conversation lended to metrics and I think metrics to me means measuring something and seeing seeing progress in that measurement. And I think that people don't do that often enough. They don't want to know the numbers because they don't want to see that maybe something didn't change because maybe they didn't stick to the action. So if you take one thing away, metrics matter and they don't matter at the same time, but it is one one way of gauging progress. So thanks again, Rich, for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me like always. All right, man. So you guys, see you guys next time.